sing. Would you stand and worship with us? We're so glad you're here this morning. It's great to see all these beautiful faces. Children's 
ministry open for two, age two through elementary school. There will be children's ministry, so that's awesome. I'm excited for that, and I know she is too. And also in just a bit, maybe you've gotten it already, there'll be a text coming your way that's a we love you, a high five. It's a hug since we can't do that. That text will be coming uh, your way in just a moment. So thank you so much for being here. So excited for what God's going to speak to your heart today. We love you so much. that lead from Jerry. That was pretty good, wasn't it? All right, you can have a seat quick. Um, <laughs> it is so great to be able to be here and to worship you guys. And we're going to continue on with our worship time with, uh, with an offering. 
Um, there's three ways that you can give. You can give in person. If you want to drop it off here, there's some locations here. You can uh, send it in by mail. You can come in during the week and give, but you can also give online. And you can go to our website, and it should be able to direct you to where you need to go. But I just want to say thank you for continuing to be faithful during this time. There's a lot of uncertainty, but there's a there's not only an important but an essential role that the church plays in all this because really our only sense of light and hope in all this is is really God. And it allows us to continue to be that light into a world that's really struggling right now. So thank you for continuing to be faithful. We're going to continue on with our, our worship here. And I encourage you to join with us as we sing loudly to our, our King.
given us the very breath with which to praise you. Thank you. Thank you that we can praise you with all we are and all we have. Every resource we have, every ounce of strength and breath and life. Lord, may that be what we use to praise you with every single day of our lives. And not just because we want to love you and bless you, but so that the world around us can see that there's love and hope. There's miracles. There's grace. There's mercy. Everything that a person could need can be found in Jesus Christ. May they see that in us. We're so grateful to you this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we offer everything we have today to you. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Who by worrying can add to their life? Pandemic. Do not worry about tomorrow. Pagans run after these things. National emergency. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are melting so fast. Missile An interesting fact about humanity is that whatever you feed grows. A financial pandemic. If you feed your faith, it grows. If you feed your fears, they grow. So all spiral very quickly. It's going to get worse. Some have to live and some have to die. Realize that our time is better spent talking to the Father than getting all worked up and reading and feeding our minds with the news and the media about what everybody is saying about how this is doom and gloom and how money, which we have hoped in, is lost. Hope not in money. Hope in your Father, your God. Jesus Christ, your Savior, have your faith and use it. Walk according to it. Whatever you feed grows. This is the time to press into the church, lean into the church, to be surrounded by God's people. We can offer prayers for one another. We can offer hope to one another. We can speak words of truth to one another. If you feast on the word of God and you renew your minds around the truth, your faith, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you go to the news and you read article after article after quote after talking head and you continue to feed those fears, they grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Whatever you feed grows. Today, did you wake up this morning and feast on the word of God and go to him in prayer? Or did you feed your fears? Well, good morning, Southwoods. Oh, that was really weak. Everybody, good morning, Southwoods. Good morning. Ah, it's good to see you this morning. It's good to see you live and in person here in person. It's great to see have those of you who are with us on the live stream today. Uh, we're thrilled about that and uh, want to dive into uh, today's message here. You know, according to experts, prior to COVID-19, on an average day, Americans spent five and a half hours you know, consuming some sort of digital media. Think about that, five and a half hours of watching TV or surfing the internet or exploring social media or consuming news, these kinds of things. Sometimes on a phone, sometimes on a computer, sometimes on a TV, but it's all digital media. And then COVID-19 hit. With no sports, no shopping, no travel, no school, no youth extracurricular activities, and for many, no work, do you suppose people have consumed more or less digital media in the last few months? More, not just a little more, a lot more. Record amounts of digital media. In fact, estimates now are pretty shocking, but uh, in particular, news consumption has dramatically increased. Viewers have frequently turned to their preferred news networks for updates on you know, regular updates, sometimes hourly, sometimes more frequently than that, uh, updates on the coronavirus. And in more recent weeks, we've watched news of the pandemic give way to George Floyd's, tra George Floyd's tragic killing, and then news of protests and riots, and then news of defunding police, and now news of major cities being overrun by protesters. And every week is something new, something more, something that ought to capture everybody's attention, captivate your life, 
reprioritize everything about us. Many of us have begun to experience something that we've really never experienced, at least to the degree we're experiencing it right now. That is what I'm just referring to and many others and experts have called media fatigue. Media fatigue. Our minds and our lives have become shrouded in a fog of weariness and exhaustion and worry and anxiety and difficulty concentrating. Some of us having problems sleeping and I could go on with these kinds of symptoms, but lots of people are struggling with this. Some of them Christians, some of them not. It doesn't seem to matter because everybody is kind of dealing with it and that's because everybody is consuming mass quantities of this stuff. And because a lot of what's going on in the news is traumatic. It's traumatic for everybody. So to help us clear our minds some, think a little more clearly, to help us experience some more rest in our lives, we're going to look this morning real carefully at some words of Jesus. He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. if you want to turn there, Matthew eleven twenty-eight in your Bible, he tells us how to experience and sustain a rest-filled heart and mind. We're going to talk about this passage, then we're going to apply it after we've kind of talked about it a little bit. And this is what Jesus told his disciples. And I want you to think about this. Jesus' disciples were Jews. They lived in ancient Israel. Uh, they were under Roman occupation. They were well acquainted with poverty, racism, oppression, stress. What's Jesus tell them to do? He tells them in Matthew 11, verse 28, this. He says, Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want you to read that out loud with me, because sometimes it does our soul good to read Scripture like this. So read, this, uh, read the passage with me uh, aloud, okay? Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Okay, for the sake of our live stream viewers, some of whom copped out right there. So uh, for their sake, let's all do it again. And if you're on the live stream, you repeat it with me too, okay? So here we go. Read it one more time. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you and I want rest, if we want to gain renewed strength, if we want to be refueled in body and soul, if we want to experience and sustain a rest-filled mind and life, then you and I need to carefully consider Jesus' words here. He says what we need to do is come to him. Come to him. I will give you rest, he says. Jesus revealed a number of things in this verse. And for the next couple of minutes, I just want us to break it down a little bit. And then we'll spend some time applying it. But if you look at it, Jesus makes it really clear. Rest, apparently, is available. Rest, even in a digital age, it's available for all who are weary and burdened and concerned about viruses and our world and, and uh peace and harmony in a culture and on and on and economics. I mean, he's, there is rest available for all of us. Jesus is not promising us something that he doesn't have available to give. If I told you that I, was, that I would give you a million dollars, you should know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm promising something I don't have, right? Jesus is not giving us a promise like that. Jesus Jesus is saying, come to me because I have rest available. It's available. In fact, he goes on and makes the promise that it's a gift. Rest is a gift. He says, I will, notice the word, give you rest. Which is just to say you can't buy it. You can't inherit it. You can't discover it. You can't earn it. You can't borrow it. It's a gift. And the only place you're going to find that gift is from him. Rest is a gift from Jesus. And to receive that gift, Jesus says, come to me. And it's interesting, what, what does our culture do? What is our tendency prior to COVID and even now? I mean, you know, if we want rest, what do we do? We go to the mall, we watch a movie, we go to the stadium. This is what we do. And maybe when everything was wonderful in life, Maybe to some degree you felt like that worked for you. But how's it working out right now? 
Many of us looking for rest in all the wrong places. I won't get into it, but, uh, you know, we went, Lori and I, I take Fridays off, uh, Lori and I do, and uh, Thursday late in the day, we went to the, a lake, nearby lake. Uh, I made the horrible mistake of not making reservations, because normally I don't, you know, for a campsite, okay, for a campsite. We're going to take our camper there. Um, we, we show up. Guess what? We go from park to park to park to park to park to park. Lori loved it. It was <laughs> highlight of her, it made her day off of the weekend. But we went from park to park to park looking for a, an opens campsite. And you know what? We found one, no electricity, bad, bad. 90s, not good, not good. Note to self, take the generator next time. But anyway, that's another thing. Um, what's my point? Every campsite all around this lake, and there are many, full, full, this weekend, right now. What are people doing? They're looking for rest in the midst of a pandemic. A friend of mine was trying to buy a kayak. Mistake, mistake, most of them been bought up. Another person I know was looking for a camper. Couldn't find him. I mean, couldn't find one that, the one that they were looking for and they weren't I mean, looking for anything particularly, what, what's my point? It's like our culture has a predisposition, and I think we as humans have a predisposition to look for rest in all the wrong places. And then when we don't find it there, we get disillusioned with God. This is the evil one whispering in our ear to say, ah, God promised you rest. If you can't find it at this place, pfft, surely he's copping out on you. Surely he's not real. Friends, real rest, the kind your body, soul, spirit, mind longs for, can only be received from Jesus. And it can be received from Jesus wherever you are, but it can only be received from him. All the while, Jesus is pleading with those of us who don't believe him. He's saying, trust me in this. Come to me. Come to me. You've tried everything else. Come to me and I'll give you rest. So what does it mean to proactively come to Jesus? On just a practical level, what does that mean? Well, it begins, first of all, just by acknowledging that you and I need to invite Jesus into our lives. That's the beginning point where we just recognize that I was not made to do life alone by myself. I mean, I really wasn't. I wasn't made to be quarantined from people. I've been made by God to be in relationship with you and others and secondarily with him. Both humans this is part of why we can go into this, but it's part of why a cross has two dimensions to it. It has a vertical dimension, the longest portion. To, it's about the connection that it needs to exist between God and man and the horizontal bar, the connection that's to exist between you and me and all of us. It's a, it's a two-dimensional relational world in that respect. We won't get into the other dimensions of the other aspects of the spiritual realm, but it, it's, it's not an alone deal. It's not about me. This is why selfishness is such an affront to God and so, so ridiculous in the eyes of biblical writers. Because you and I weren't made for that. We were made to be in community, in relationship. And it begins by just acknowledging, I was made to have God a part of my life. And without him, I can have the horizontal pieces of my life all in place and I'm still going to feel empty. I'm still going to feel broken. I'm still going to feel alone. And it's because I was made to be in relationship with God. And Jesus is saying he came, takes upon him, he steps off of his throne, takes flesh upon himself. Philippians 2 tells us he steps into the human realm. And what is he doing? He's trying to say, come to me, come to me. He's trying to convey the Father's intentions for you and me. Come to me, come to me. I know you look on Mount Sinai and you see anger and you see fear and all of that. And I am a fearsome person, God says, and, and you do well to fear God and fear him alone. But beyond that, I, I'm trying to say that I'm, I'm welcoming you to come to me. I'm welcoming you to come to me. And it begins with you and me just inviting God to fill our lives, to cleanse us. 
Maybe some of us this morning here in this room, we're listening via live stream, need to look heavenward and just kind of pray from our heart, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for thinking less of you than I do, less than I should. Forgive me for my many sins and shortcomings. I don't measure up to my standards, much less yours. Would you cleanse me? Would you make me yours? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and claim me as you came to do? That's what, that's what it means, the beginning point of really coming to Jesus. And once we've come to that point, I mean, every sincere, genuine faith transformation that takes place in the heart of a person begins right there. It begins by acknowledgement that I can't do this on my own. I need God as a part of my life. And it's just looking heavenward, pleading, God, would you, would you come in? Would you, would you make me yours? There's other steps in the process, but that's the beginning point. Once you've kind of done that, you know, we think of what it means to come to Jesus. I mean, we could talk about uh, baptism and the picture that that is because it's a, it's, a, it's a physical representation when you and I are lowered in the waters of baptism. You know what we're doing? We're saying, I'm dying, in fact, to self. I'm going to die to self that I might live for whom? For Jesus. I'm going to allow the life of Jesus to be lived out in my body. With God's help, I want to feel what he feels. I want to do what he would do. I want to say what he would say if he was in my place. This is, this is the goal of the spiritual life. It's not, to, you know, it's not to come to church for a few hours once in a while or watch a, a live stream once a week for a little bit in the morning. It is, to, it is to say fundamentally, God, I want you to take up residence in me and to live your kind of life in my body in my context, and I know I'm going to fall short, but God, with your help, I can do better than I'm doing right now because you are good and you're virtuous, you're righteous. It's part of what it means to come to Jesus. That's why baptism is the picture of dying to self and the filling. You know, when you come up out of the water, it's, the, it's, like, it's like being filled and resurrected by the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, as He came out of the grave. The picture is you're coming out of the grave. A new person filled with a different spirit. Some of us have heard biblical teaching about baptism. We could read a bunch of verses about it this morning. We don't need more verses. We just need to obey. Just do it. Because this is what the Bible teaches. Maybe some of us here in this room or via the live stream need to take a step in this area. You can let us know that. Let us help you take next steps with this. You don't have to figure this out again on your own alone. Once we've kind of taken that step, there are several practices of Jesus' followers that they've engaged in for centuries. And I'm just going to highlight some of them real quickly because this is part of what it means to come to Jesus, okay? Because some of us have invited Jesus into our life. Some of us have been baptized. And then we've just sort of quit. And we just think, okay, well, it's like I, I'm okay with God. All we've done is in our minds, we've bought spiritual fire insurance. Okay? That's how we've thought of it. I just want you to understand, that is not what it means to come to Jesus. You, all you did was you just signed on the dotted line. You, you haven't begun to live for him yet, really. Because the rest of this is all living for Jesus kind of stuff. It, part of what it means to come to him. Some of those practices that Jesus' followers have engaged in for centuries are, are practices like this. Set aside a consistent day of week of your life for worship and rest. And what is this called in the Bible? A Sabbath day. Set aside a Sabbath day. One day in seven so that you can unplug from the world for what purpose? So that you can focus on God, so you can worship Him, so you can honor Him, so that you can stop overstimulating your life with the corruption around us and focus at least on that 24-hour period on the one who is perfect, loving, good, and virtuous, who, who never cheats anybody, who's never told a lie, who's who's never murdered anybody, somebody who, who cares about you more than he cares about himself. What's the point of all that? The point is that you and I mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we need that. We need that reminder. When we live in a world 
that's built around self-interest, we need a reminder that there's a good and glorious and gracious God who cares about us. We need a full day of rest, not, not 24 hours parceled out over a week. That's called a break. That's not a biblical Sabbath. It's just not. We need a day. Yes, some people historically have become crazy legalistic about it, and some people have done it and done weird things, but that doesn't mean... The fact that people are weird doesn't mean that God's Word is invalid. People have been weird a long time. It ain't going to change. It's just the way of the world. We've got to practice this. And let me just say this. You and I are going to have to guard your day of rest for this reason. Satan does not want you rested. Think about this with me. Satan does not want you rested. Why? Because when you are rested, you are less vulnerable to temptation. When you are rested, you are more likely to be led by God's spirit instead of fleshly impulses that will get your life into problems, hurt other people, and complicate the world, right? When you're rested, guess what? It's going to weaken worry because you will have fed your soul rather than just your fears. He does not want you rested, full of faith, full of boldness and courage, reminded of God's goodness and gloriousness. He does not want you remembering these things. You know, prior to COVID-19, I mean, this, this, I think there were a number of our people that were trying to practice this on a regular basis. A number of people have been. But let me say, just say this, it interrupted it for many of us. And so we begin, we have all these days, we're not working, we're doing all this, and we kind of go, oh, well, this is all just a big Sabbath. Well, not really, because you're not worshiping. What are you doing? I mean, you are consuming every form of digital media known to humanity is what we've been doing, all of us. I've done it plenty myself. What's my point? My point is it's time to reinstitute consistency in setting aside a day of the week for our lives where we focus entirely on worship, God, his virtues, kindness, less stimulation of what's going on in the world, more stimulation of what is going on with God, the eternal state of things, what's really going to matter, what's really going to last. And let me, let me just say, this isn't in the Bible, this is like my addendum. Maybe, I don't know if I can live up with this or not, but it, I throw it out there for us to all wrestle with. Maybe on that day, you need to say no to TV, no to media, no to news. Fast from it all for that day. See if the world, if the sun comes up the next morning. And of course, you will find out it will. Just like we all used to wait to call people because we had phones attached to cords that were attached to a wall and you know you just couldn't text instantaneously with me it's like the world will keep revolving and everything will be okay but it'll feel weird because we are so digitally tethered all of us at this point now, why would you, why is that a big deal? I, I, I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, let me just give you another a couple of thoughts on some practices that have been characteristic of believers for centuries. I'm going to mention these real quick. You set aside 30 to 60 minutes a day. I would encourage you to do this for Bible reading, for prayer, for quieting your spirit, for sitting in God's presence. If you set aside a day a week and you set aside, let's just round it up and say a, an hour a day and you do that and it's a consecutive block and ideally if it's before you begin your day so that as you begin your day, your mind, heart and spirit are in the right place before you start taking the slugging that's going to be happening all day to you. This is in a perfect world. I know it can't work that way perfectly every day, but if you, if you try to make that a goal, what's going to happen? Part of what's going to happen is you go into your day with a sense of God's presence and favor and pleasure in your life. You've already been reminded of who you are, your identity in Christ, and that like 
There is hope beyond the circumstances of your life and the world in which we live. We need to be reminded of that before we turn on the news anymore. We need to be reminded of that every day. One of the things I use, I bought a one-year Bible years ago. Most of you know this because I've talked about it. If you don't have one, Google it, one-year Bible. If you can't find it that way, I mean, just look it up. Get a New Living Translation so you can read it and understand it easily. But just get one of those. It's broken up into 365 days of the year. And you just pick whatever today's date is and you read. You don't have to overthink it, which is one of my problems. So that is helpful to me. I encourage you to consider that. And just, if you miss a day, pick up the, whatever day it is the next time you pick it up. But the point is, read scripture like that. Maybe you need to journal a prayer uh, a day uh, on a daily basis to God. I know people who do that every day. They got, you know, like lots of these journals in there. And they can open it up and they can, they've incorporated prayer lists into that and various other things. And it's, it's meaningful. They can track back and say where they were spiritually. I know I can look back at some journals. I haven't done this regularly, but I can look back at some of my old journals different times when I've gone through phases doing this. And, it's fascinating to see what was in my mind at that time. And I just, you see growth, you see change, you, you see God working. Maybe it'd be good for us to memorize a verse of scripture on a regular basis. Pick a verse, spend all week memorizing it. Just go over it and over it and over and over and over. You say, well, I'll never remember it. I guarantee you won't remember it if you don't try. You will not remember it if you don't try. But let me just say this, that if you try and you don't remember it, guess what? You've still spent a week meditating and reflecting on that verse and it will, it'll get through you more than it ever has. All of us could benefit from this. I mean, these are practices we need to regularly engage in. But you know, in real life, we break down, don't we? And when we set out with these kinds of intentions and we break down, and because of that, a fourth thing that I want to highlight is that we need to watch out for spiritual energy thieves if we're going to succeed at coming to Jesus and walking day in and day out through our day with him. We're going to have to watch out for spiritual energy thieves. And I think you've probably gotten the sense based on my title and everything I've talked about so far. You know, the number one energy peace and joy thief of our culture and of us individually right now is probably, in two words, the news. The news. Received in a lot of different form, media forms. We, we get a lot of different ways, but it's the news. It's become a threat to our mental, emotional, spiritual health. Here's why I believe this, and I just ask you to indulge me. Just listen through to the end. You're not going to find this in the Bible, but you will find the principles of this. And I just want you to listen and think about this with me, okay? We live in a time of instantaneous news. Never in the history of the earth has that been true. News is 24-7, 365. It used to be only 5 p.m. in the day, and that was for about 30 minutes, and then it was followed by, that was the local news, and then it was followed by 30 minutes of of national news, right? Remember that? And then once in a while, you'd have, uh, maybe once a week as time passed, you'd have a show like 60 Minutes, which would then have an hour-long in-depth focus on something, right? That was the news for many years. Now, we get up to the minute bad news 24-7, constantly. You get notifications of it on your phone. Some of you from multiple news networks, because one's not bad enough. You need more bad news, right? And you wonder, why am I discouraged? Why am I frustrated? Think about that. Add to that, we live in a time of what I would, the only way to describe it is media manipulation. Listen to me on this. Right now in the media routinely, half-truths are often presented as fact in an effort to get your attention and mine, to secure your viewership and mine, to secure our listenership, to, con to secure our purchases of products, right? What is this called? 
manipulation. It's marketing, but it's manipulation now. It's what it's, it's kind of drifted into. I mean, news is no longer about facts. It's about selling. And to sell, you got to evoke feeling. And so news has become entirely about victims' feelings, listeners' feelings, journalists' feelings, 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 feelings. In, journal in journalism, you know, 101 back in the day, that was called bias. That's what that was. And what kind of feelings sell? I, I, think with me. Stay with me here. What kind of media, feelings sell? Fear, anger-producing injustice, suspicion and distrust, lust. There may be a few other dangling ones, but those are the biggies. Those are the things that sell, that drive people, that move culture. What happens if you and I rarely or never unplug from that kind of stuff? It's called personal, mental, and emotional trauma is what happens. And I picked that word on purpose, trauma. And if it continues long enough, it can become societal trauma. You almost have a, a nationwide PTSD thing going on. So what do we do about that? I can tell you this. Doing the same thing we've been doing isn't working. Protesting isn't going to solve it. You know, spending money isn't going to solve it. I mean, there's all these things. What, what is, what is going to create an environment where peace, where hope, where rest, where goodness can prevail, where there's honesty, virtue available for all who want to live that way? It's going to require coming to Jesus is what it's going to require. We got to come to Jesus. We got to focus on intentional spiritual nourishment as we come to him like we've talked about. It's going to take days of worship and rest. It's going to take, you know, daily time in the, you know, with the presence of God's spirit and in his word and quiet and scripture reflection and so forth. It's going to require that. It's going to require dramatically limiting news and other digital media. And instead of watching people live or do the things that they're doing, we need to choose to live ourselves instead. We need to take walks. We need to picnic in the park. We need to ride a bike. We need to play games with family. We need to go fishing. We need to share dinner with friends, even if you got to do it socially distantly. I mean, we got to do these things because we were never made to live life alone. We've got to choose to live more. And look at this. A whole lot less whole lot less. As I prayed about this for actually weeks, this is kind of what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying. He was saying, you need to give the news and digital media boundaries in your life. What happens if you have no boundaries with your work? It'll take over and kill your family. What happens if you give youth extracurricular activities no boundaries in your life? It will hijack your family, your work, your finances, on and on, right? I mean, just think about it. Any area that we just allow to control, uh, if we just take a victim mentality with this, the end result is it will control us and destroy people, good people who are good and godly, have the best of intentions, God's best of intentions for their lives. But we need to put boundaries on this and allow it to work for us rather than us live at its whim. Every one of us can do this. Every one of us. But it's going to take the kind of stuff we talked about this morning. You need a day a week where you unplug and you're going to need an hour a day where you get your own reminder in the presence of God that there's more than what you see in the news going on in life. And, and you're going to have to go out and live as salt and light and goodness and godliness and, and serve people and wash feet and on and on. I mean, this is what we got to do. But if we do this, we're coming to Jesus and we're allowing Jesus to flow through us into our culture and into the lives of people around us. 
and it will change culture, not without opposition. Don't assume that it'll all be easy because guess what? The evil one is not thrilled about that. Never forget that. But you will have the wind of God's spirit in your life and God will bless and the world in your sphere will be a better place. Friends, rest, clearer heads and hearts can be ours if we'll put into practice what we've been talking about. But it begins when you and I come to Jesus. It's the beginning point. Come to me and I will give. Jesus says, we'll give it to you. It's a gift he's going to give you if you'll come to him in this way. He'll give it to you. Rest. Clearer head and heart and life. Have you invited Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life? You need to do that. Now's the time. Invite him in. If you've never been baptized, decide today, I'm going to be baptized as an expression of my faith. Let us partner with you in these things. If you're here live in person, you can talk to us about it. We can help you make arrangements for that. If you are listening via live stream, email us at pastors at southwoods.org. I mean, we'd be happy to help you with baptism or take next steps in your faith, in your development of that faith. But it does take engagement. Will you do that? We're going to share in the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. It's a perfect opportunity, really, for those of us, whether we're listening via live stream or in person, to pause and just kind of come to Jesus. We're coming to Him. I mean, remembering the extent of His humility, that He took upon Himself flesh and that He gave His body, He sacrificed His body for your sins to be forgiven, for your life to be transformed. And so uh, as we share in the Lord's Supper, the bread is a symbol of his body. The juice is a symbol of his shed blood. And uh, spend these moments just pouring out your heart to him and see if he doesn't hear you. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you for your grace, your favor, your kindness. We thank you for your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. We don't deserve it. We never will. Uh, we, we have no idea the full extent of the cost, the price that you paid, but we are eternally grateful that you sacrificed yourself for us. Now, O oh Lord, we come to you. We ask that you would apply your forgiveness, your shed blood to our body, soul, spirit, mind, and that you would help us to be good and godly like you are. Help us to head in that trajectory by the power of your spirit. Meet us in these moments as we remember all that you did to make that possible. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. Amen.
Well, thank you for joining us this morning. We do want to invite you back next week. Next week, what we're going to do, we're going to take a week-long break from this particular series. I'm going to do a message next week entitled Gifts from Dad. I think it'll be a blessing. It's Father's Day weekend, so I hope you'll make a point to be a part of that here in person or via live stream. And uh, glad that you made it today, though. Let's bow our heads and pray. And as we pray, I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going to pray for our nation as well. And just want to invite you to, uh, to join me in uh, asking for God's, God's provision for us. All right, let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your favor, the fact that you have loved the world. You so loved the world that you sent your one and only Son into the world, not to, not to destroy it or condemn it, but so that all of us who believe in him might have everlasting life through him. And uh, Lord, we just honor you for that. Lord, we thank you that there's no exception, no exclusions from that. Anybody who comes to you can find you. And Lord, we just ask for our world, for a fresh wind and wave of your Holy Spirit to wash over our country and our world. God, we're just desperate for more of you. We need repentance. We need repentance all across this land. We need hearts looking heavenward, not in anger at one another, not isolating themselves from the rest of the world. We, we need people looking to you. 
God, we thank you that you've come to reveal yourself and you've reached out to us, but now we ask for more of your spirit that we as Southwoods in our little corner of the world and that churches like us all over the world might be empowered by the glorious presence of your Holy Spirit to be transforming agents of love and grace and mercy and power from above to hearing healing, that the name of Jesus might be exalted and that our world might be a better place until that day when Jesus comes to bring us all to him. God, help us to that end. Help us, help every one of us. And God, we promise to give you credit for every good thing that happens from that because we know it can only happen if you're involved in it. So we ask for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me wherever you are and said, Amen, amen. Bless you all. Thanks for coming today. See you next week.